Today I will be reading from Ephesians 4, 17, 24. And you can follow along in your Bible or in screen as I read the passage out loud for us. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is God's word. Well, good morning. Um, today we are uh, beginning a new series, uh, one that I've been wanting to do but have been uh, putting off for a few years now. Uh, it's a series about identity. Uh, the last time I, I taught a series on identity was uh, 2011 here at this church when we were just like a year old. And then uh, I wrote a book on the subject three years later in 2014. And since that time, I've been looking for a way to uh, reapproach the subject because uh, the subject hasn't gone away like at all. If anything, it's become the subject of our times. Before I get into all of it, and we have a lot to get into in this series, um, I'd like to start with like what I've personally learned since writing on this subject 10 years ago. Simply put, I have learned that the subject of identity is in finding an identity, uh, making an identity, receiving an identity is incredibly difficult. It is not a simple thing at all. Sometimes it's impossibly difficult. Our modern approach to identity, which we'll talk about today, is both terribly fragile and oftentimes incoherent. But what I've learned is that identity has always been hard, no matter what day and age you've lived in. It's not just our cultural moment, but even traditional identity formation was as suffocating as it was different, uh, difficult. So this is not a new phenomenon. Identity formation being difficult is not a new phenomenon. And if you're a Christian in here, and you have learned that your core identity is being loved by God through Jesus Christ and having a new identity in him, well done. But that too is a long and arduous journey. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there are no shortcuts. Identity is hard because identity, who you are, is tremendously complex. Now I do believe that the journey of Christian identity is robust and consistent and resilient uh, in the way of like knowing who you are, and we'll get into, into all of that, but the irony is that the Christian journey starts by losing yourself. And to do that, you kinda have to know the self you are losing, and that too is a journey. So identity formation is complex and difficult, but Jesus desires that we find ourselves, that we know who we are. When Jesus says to lose yourself, it's only because he wants us to find ourselves. Jesus says this, this is like the, the core call of, uh, of a Christian. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, 
but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Finding ourselves seems to be at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To lose ourselves, to deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow Jesus is at the same time what it means to find our true selves. Okay, so that's my preamble. That's kind of what I wanted to start with. It's hard. This whole thing's hard. Okay. That's how I wanted to start. So let's get into, let's, let's get into this thing. I want to start this morning by talking about Barbie. And one of my favorite things to do since last summer is to debate anyone who didn't like this movie. So if you didn't like this movie, you can line up afterwards. I would love to debate you. I've been doing it all for months now. Um, but this movie starts with an idea. Now, I'm not, no spoilers here, but just enhancements. That's it. What I'm about to say will enhance your movie-going experience. So if you haven't seen it and you still want to see it before Oscars or whatever, if you're into that sort of thing, you're welcome, because I will enhance your movie viewing experience. Okay, the movie starts with an idea. And you can take that off, because they'll everybody be distracted the whole time I'm talking. Okay. Okay. The movie starts with an idea. And the idea is, what if the doll that was created in the 60s during the sexual revolution, that was herself, Barbie itself at the time, was a revolutionary idea. Cue the opening montage of girls only playing with dolls that did household chores or dolls that taught you, taught you how to mother and all of them smashing these dolls and then all of a sudden pops up the perfect Barbie, okay? What if this new, in the 60s, not today, what if this new idea of a woman in the 60s who was glamorous, who was perfect, who can do anything and be anything, what if that doll became real? And what happens as soon as Barbie becomes real? And what happens as soon as Ken is introduced to the real world? Full-blown identity crisis. <laughs> to be human is to have an identity crisis. That's basically the premise of the movie. And in some sense, this is very true. Now, you could say, well, Barbie was actually, some people read it as puberty, like she's going through puberty. She's a child doll moving to puberty. Fine, but it's identity crisis nonetheless. This whole movie is about identity crisis. Barbie wakes to this feeling of being abnormal and odd and with the feeling of not really belonging anywhere. Again, the human experience. And thus the movie is the whole exploration of identity. And though it's weird and quirky and fun, depending on if you like the film, what I liked about it, what I liked about Barbie is that at least it was honest about identity. Now I've read, I've read a, f a lot of stuff on the movie um, because I'm really interested in it. And there's so many people that say, you know, uh, Barbie's just reaffirming everything that the culture teaches that you could be anything you want to be, but actually, it, it's not doing that. Here's where it's honest. No one can just make up an identity out of nowhere. You cannot just look within to be whoever you want to find in there or want to be or want to make yourself to be. That's a fantasy greater than the fantasy of a Barbie doll. The reality of identity, and this is where the movie gets it right, is that Ken's identity is deeply wrapped within Barbie's identity, and Barbie's identity is deeply wrapped within those of real women. And now you're getting into what philosopher Charles Taylor says about the modern identity in both of his books, The Secular Age and The Sources of Self, that identity formation is a social phenomenon, and you can only find yourself in relation to other selves. 
You can't just be who you are in the world. You only find yourself in relation to other selves. That's what the whole movie is about. You are not ultimately an independent, expressive being just doing you. You are an amalgamation of a million different cultural scripts that go unnoticed. Social and cultural algorithms that are running behind the scenes or not so behind the scenes that are shaping who you are allowed to be because every culture pushes on you a particular identity process. Your identity is derived from a cultural script. This has always been the case. This is both modern cultural formation and ancient cultural identity formation. In our text, in Ephesians, Paul is addressing the Gentiles in this new enterprise called the church. It's made up of former enemies, Jews and Gentiles. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our series on love. And when the Gentiles get brought into the church, the Jews don't think that's a possibility. They, they never, it was not in, even in their schema. It's like, that's not a thing. We're, we are separate from all those people. But because of Christ, this, this new, whole new different group of people get brought into the church, and they have to wrestle with, what does it mean for them to be brought in this church? Are they Jewish? Are they not Jewish? And Paul says, no, they're brought in not because they're, they're, they're um, children of Abraham. They're actually descendants of Abraham through faith. Okay. So that's the theological side. But then, so Paul addresses all of them in Ephesians, the Jews, like let them in. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down, become one. But then he, in Ephesians 4, our text today, Paul turns his attention to the Gentiles and he says to them this. So I tell you this and insist, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. He's telling Gentiles don't, who find their identity and, and being who they are, don't do you anymore. Don't, don't no longer live like you used to live. He says, actually, put off that thing, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What is Paul doing here? First off, he's speaking to believers He's writing a church to the, a letter to the church, like people in the church, which means even as you become a Christian, there is a lot of work to be done in putting off your old self and putting on your new self. So this is for everyone. If you've been a Christian in here for like 60 years, this is still for you. You are always, the Christian identity journey is always this journey of putting off and putting on, putting off and putting on. I, I've been studying the subject for a very long time. I'm still in the process of doing this almost daily, putting off former things, old things, old identities, false identities, and putting on true identities, which is mean this is for everybody in here. But Paul also defines the old self. The old self is the cultural script you've been handed and thus has become your identity. There were so many ways that being a Greco-Roman in the first century that gave you a sense of, who you were and what you were supposed to do and be and where your value came from, your identity. That's basically what identity is. Identity is who you are and where you get your value. That's, that's a basic, you can, if you're taking notes, that's what identity is. It's who you are and where you get your value, your sense of worth. See, we are many things. There are many things that are true about us in different roles and the hats that we put on in society and in, in, our, in different spheres. But what is at the core truth 
of you and all of those roles and wearing all of those hats? What's at the core? In other words, what is identical about you in every role and in every place? Identity, identical, get it? That's identity. What's true about you, what's identical about you in everywhere you go, but not just that. Where do you get a sense of worth and value from? What identical thing about you do you fundamentally live for? What is the source of your recognition and your significance? Those two things, who you are and what you, where you derive your value, that is your functional identity. So here's an here's easy, low-hanging fruit example. Like anyone in here can come up with this example, super easy. If your work is where you get your sense of self, like what you do, and success in your work is where you derive your worth, then work is your identity. That could be if you're a mom or a dad, and that's what you do, and I think full-time moms and dads should be paid, but that's a whole different thing. And if, you, if that's what you do, and it's where you derive a sense of self, it's where you, where you get your value, then when you raise bad humans, or your kids do something that make you look like a bad parent, you're not just disappointed, you're destroyed, you're devastated, because their choice wasn't about them, it was about you. If you're an artist, and that's what you do, and you can't find success, and being an artist is what you do, and being successful at doing your art is, is where you derive value and worth and admiration and love, then when you are not successful, it will throw you in such a tailspin that you will lose a sense of self. You will have a full-blown identity crisis. Or if you're in tech, and that's what you do, and you get laid off, and you don't just you know, be sad and like, then look for another job, but you question everything, and it feels like your life just ended, then your work is your identity. Okay, so identity is who we are and where we find value and worth. So back to the Greco-Roman Gentile in the first century reading this letter from Paul in their church in Ephesus. There were ways that these people saw themselves as a value in their society. There were ways they inherited the cultural scripts of their day and lived into them. And then they become Christians, Christ followers, and Paul says that you must put off these old identities, these old ways of seeing and being and finding value in the world and put on your new self that's being renewed in Christ. Your new identity as a Christian or as a disciple of Jesus, as a member of the body of Christ. Now, why was that important then and why is it important now? In the book, Sources of Self, of the Self, Charles Taylor, traces the development of the modern identity structure. Before the modern identity, humans found a sense of self by their duty, their station in life. And they believed in traditional cultures, this is still the case, in non-Western traditional cultures, you derive an identity from something beyond you. It's your family, it's the gods, it's whatever, and it's bestowed upon you, and you find your identity as your place in that given family or in that given social class, that is it, and you don't question anything about it. It's just who you are. I think Tim Keller sum summarizes it by saying, we went from finding our identity in duty to finding our identity in desire. 
The modern cultural, the modern um, uh, identity project is based on desire. So old identity structure is this. Traditional culture says, I am my duty. And modern culture says, I am my desire. So we live in a culture today that says, you are your desire. So in a traditional culture, we get a sense of self um, from what we're supposed to do, our family. And even, even first, second generation um, immigrants still have this kind of identity over them. But as soon as you get more and more Americanized and Westernized, you are what you want. And my desire is how the modern culture finds a sense of self, which means in order to find ourselves and to know who we are, our cultural script says, or as Charles Taylor puts it, um, our cultural imaginary, which is a very important term that we'll come back to. Our cultural imaginary says that we must go inward to find what we want and who we are deep down. You are who you are deep down. And not just that, but since, because we think that we are uncertain that we can find ourselves by going deep down and not outside of us, not anything put on us, but something we are deep down, we go deep down, we find ourselves, and then we come out from going deep down and we demand, once we find who we are deep down, that our society give us the recognition we deserve for who we think we are and what we want to be. So we go in, <clears throat> this is who I am, we come out and we're like, this is who I am, and you better recognize who I am. And of course, there's only one way to do this. We have to post and record, upload videos, and try as best as we can with as loud a voice as we can to put out into the world who we are and fight for our rights to be who we are deep down. But listen, and I wanna say this with all sensitivity, this is only if what you find deep down aligns with our social imaginary. For example, <clears throat> if I went deep down and I said I was a grape, and I'm not trying to be funny here, I'm trying to actually, I want you to listen. If I said deep down I was a grape, our social imaginary is, it would be right on the edge in the border of what's allowed. <clears throat> right, it's, if I came out and, <clears throat> it's right on the edge of like what's allowed today. San Francisco, it'd probably be completely allowed. But in America it's like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of weird, but you know, hey, they found that, that's, that's them, do you. It's kind of on the border. If I went deep down and said I was a cat, that, 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 that's in our social imaginary. There's actually communities that do this. And so it's, it's completely accepted. But if I went deep down and said that I was an angry person who wants to kill, you would say, bro, you need some help. You need to go to therapy. Like that's, that, that's not who you are. Like you need to reject that. In an older culture, that angry, murderous person would be valued. They would actually be put on front lines to defend their, defend their tribe or their countrymen or something, and it would be something of high honor. But today, our cultural imaginary does not allow for that in the West. And so we say, go to therapy and get that taken care of. But, I, I, but I'm also this, that's okay. And my point is this, and think through this, I'm not, and I'm not trying to say, uh, I'm not trying to give a straw man argument so don't dismiss me by saying what I'm saying is a strawman argument, which I think itself is a strawman argument, which is a way of not dealing with the topic. So we have to deal with this topic. This is a real topic. Charles Taylor says in about 1,000 pages over his two books on the subject that who we think we are deep down is not who we are deep down, but who we are allowed to be deep down according to the social imaginary. 
When you go down there and find whatever you find, it only has to come up and be accepted by the people around you or else it's not a thing. And because we're always negotiating with ourselves, we always take a feeling and we, have, and we take a desire that we have and we have to ask ourselves, is that me and needs to be a part of my identity or is that not me and not allowed to be me and has to be rejected? In other words, we are allowed to pull that desire in and say that's me or we're not allowed to pull that desire in and say that's me and you are not deciding that. A lot of that is decided by our social imaginary which is why our modern identity structure is so fragile. Our identity structure right now in our modern world is so fragile. The problem with modern identity is its fragility. The modern identity structures are fragile. To quote Kin, is it my destiny to live and die a life of blonde fragility? <laughs> this is in the song, okay. By the way, this song got more downloads than most popular songs that you probably do sing, and it's not even a real song. It's kind of a real song, but not a real song. It has, that, it has so many millions of downloads on Spotify or whatever. Okay, and to double down on my point on Barbie, yes, I'm still on this point on Barbie. Who is, sing, who is, who is Ken singing that song to? It is, my, is it my destiny to live and die a life of blonde virginity? Who is he singing that to? Who does he want to hear that song, Barbie. Who is he wanting more than anyone to hear it? Barbie, why? Because he wants to be seen. He wants his identity, who he is deep down to be validated from a person, from the person where he derives his worth and value, which is part of being human. We all want and need this. But it also makes modern identity so fragile because whatever you find deep down must be validated by others because you can't bless yourself. You can't go inside and find whatever it is, come out and go, boom, blessed. I just bless myself. I don't care what anybody else says, blessed. You know that's not how it works. You come out and, and you look for others to go, I bless that, I see that, yes, that. And we, this is why online communities are so, so big. We need other communities to validate the thing that we think is deep down inside. Not just that. Modern identity is fragile because the way you feel about yourself deep down both contradict yourself and change over time. You feel conflicting things all the time. Which one is, which one is the real you? If the, the two conflicting things, which one is the real you? If there is no absolute truth outside of yourself by which you are measuring the you that is you, how do you choose what is really you? But not just that, you are always having to be revalidated by your shifting internal feelings and cultures shifting external social imaginary. Because what if you're you? Let's just say you're you. Let's say you're, the, you're, you're Barbie. You're the Barbie doll. And that was so socially acceptable in the 60s and in the 70s and kind of the 80s and kind of the 90s, but today is not socially acceptable at all. What happens then? That's the plot of the movie, people. That is the plot. What happens when something that was so revolutionary that all of society said was awesome makes its way into this culture that we all say it's not awesome? What kind of identity crisis does that thing, that doll, have in this world? Which means 
Culture shifts and changes over time. So you might think, this is who I am, and the culture likes it, but in 10 years from now, actually, they might not like it. Or in two years from now, because our social imaginary moves that fast. But Charles Taylor also says that because modern identity is so fragile, it opens up the door to a couple things. He says, first, because modern identity is so fragile, it makes us, you and I, a dream for marketers. We are... We're a dream for um, uh, you know, Facebook ads and Instagram influencers and TikTok, whatever TikTok is, because I aged out of TikTok, and I'm not on that, but wh- why? Why are we just like, wh- why are we just lame people that just want, like, say yes to all this stuff? Why? Why is it so easy to sell us? Because the self has to be found, or even more so today, the self has to be made and they can sell you an identity. They can help you brand yourself. And if you get good enough at it, they will make you an influencer to help other people brand themselves like you've branded yourself. We all know this is sick and stupid, yet we all participate in it. All of us know, and this is actually happening from all over the, this is not sustainable in our culture. This is actually, our modern identity structure is actually making all of the fights and arguments and all of the, the anger between because, well, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, hold on to that. <laughs> Basically, we become in this structure a consumer in a capitalist society. That's it. We're just a consumer in a capitalist society on the way to becoming the movie Wally. That's kind of where it's at. The, the other door, the fragility of modern identity opens, according to Charles Taylor, is the inability to have discussions or even debates about stuff. This is, this is where I was going. We can't talk about this stuff anymore. We can't debate this stuff anymore because disagreement means that you are not validating who I am and thus you are trying to erase me because I am blank. And if you don't agree, then I don't exist. And so whenever there's disagreement, The I that I constructed is under attack, which is why, as Tim Keller points out in his book, um, Making Sense of God, which has two amazing chapters on this subject, he points out, culture doesn't tell you or explain to you the way of identity. It moralizes it and vilifies it. It moralizes the way it wants you to think, and it vilifies any other ways of thinking. You become evil if you don't believe in modern identity structure. And you are celebrated if you do. And it does this through stories, myths, and art. See, the identity structures of our modern culture are just stories. That's all they are. They're not even based on, on, they're not even based on hard science. They are stories that we tell ourselves. And these stories are leaving us statistically more unhappy and anxious and on more medication than any society that has ever lived before us, meaning these stories aren't really working. Our modern identity structure is not working. Now, what I want to avoid right here is the Jesus juke, where I'm like, but Jesus, and everybody's like, ah, yeah, Jesus. I want to avoid that, here's why. I'm not saying that becoming a Christian solves all these problems instantaneously. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying here, I'm not trying to build this whole thing up. I'm like, I have your solution, Jesus. Come buy it, or whatever. That's not what I'm doing at all. (laughs) I'm saying to you that um, what I hope to show you, 
is that the journey of Christian identity is a, a very long and difficult journey still. Human identity is hard no matter what. It is difficult. It is not made easier by anything you do. It is still a difficult thing. It just depends on what side of the difficult you choose. The, the journey of Christian identity is a journey of seeing and naming false ideas of identity and claiming the new self that's found in Christ. But I will say this. The promise of the gospel, and this is where I think distinguishes the Christian identity against all other identities, because Christian identity challenged the traditional identity, because you know people had to leave their families to follow Jesus? That challenged that identity structure. People that found their identity in their families and what they did for a living and all of that and being this, and Jesus said, follow me and then leave your family of origin and leave your hometown and go preach the gospel. That challenged that identity structure. Today, Jesus says, oh yeah, you wanna be yourself, you wanna know yourself, deny yourself. And it challenges this identity structure. Christianity challenges both identity structures because it's completely different. And, and the promise of the gospel is you can actually come as you are and in, the place of, in that place of rest, in that place of like, if you're tired and heavy laden, if, you're, if you have so much anxiety because of this, probably because of identity, to be honest, you can come to Christ and find, find rest for your soul. That's the promise of the gospel. Because of the radical love of God, while you were still far off, while you were still wanting nothing to do with God, while you were still a sinner pursuing your own life, he died for your forgiveness and your restoration so that you would be able to receive the love that you have been made for. And inside that place of belovedness, inside of that secure, stable place of belovedness, and inside the community, the church, of other broken people being renewed by the same gospel, you can begin to find your true self. That's the promise. Because this culture says to find yourself, and even more than that, what it's saying more than anything right now is make yourself. But Christ's invitation is to leave all of that self-making behind and be found new and reborn in Christ. And where that begins, and it begins in the hardest place, because we're always trying to manipulate, control, fix, um, and kind of situate. But in Christ, it all has to begin with, with surrender. And that's not a cliche, that's like literal surrender. And surrender is the hardest thing to do to open yourself to God and open an open surrender to this entire process, to go to God and go, I've kind of made a mess of this whole thing, and I've believed all of these cultural scripts that I've tried to live into, and none of them satisfy, and none of them give me meaning. You know that the number one search um, the first few months of, um, of uh, ChatGPT was to AI. This is what humans were asking AI. The most asked question, is there meaning in this life? That's, that's the question. Can you solve this for us? Is there meaning in this life? This is what we want more than anything, and we try to make it. We try to find it out in the world. This is what we're trying to do, and it's not working. And the promise of Christianity is that in Christ, we find both meaning and identity because Christ helps us take off all of the false stuff, all the stuff that actually is toxic in our culture, all the stuff that is, it, it doesn't, is um, not viable, it doesn't make sense, it's not cohesive, all that stuff, and begin 
to put together um, an identity built around being loved by God, which is at the, the core of, of, the, of the Christian gospel, which is why in this whole year on love, why we're doing an identity series. Because our hope is that you would first find your identity in being the beloved of God, find your security and your worth and your identity there, who you are there, and from there, reorder all of the other identities that you have around this one identity. Would you please stand as we pray?